from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, facing occasional injections of rumor in your window, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public service professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Bernie Sanders fan, Derek Addis, publisher Hermaine Hartman, Republican conservative Stephanie Hitt, and independent Navy veteran David Earl Williams III. Our program tonight coming to you from our own base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, just outside the Radio Hall of Fame uh, area in the Paul and Angel Harvey Radio Studio. It's great to have you with us this evening from coast to coast on this Memorial Day weekend. Our phone lines open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to uh, tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. You can also join us on the World Wide Web, uh, beyondthebeltway.com, where you can see not only tonight's show, but past programs for many, many I want to say decades, but at least five or six years, you can see them there. <laughs> and also you can join us live on uh, YouTube, uh, the Bruce Dumont uh, Beyond the Beltway uh, YouTube channel, and also on uh, on Facebook Live. So you can find us a lot of different ways. It's nice to have you with us. Uh, busy, full, a couple of hours. And again, uh, we've got a couple of uh, young veterans this evening, so we will be spending a little time talking about uh, veterans and, and military service and things of that nature and remembering you know, what the true purpose of uh, this holiday is, which is to remember those who lost their lives in service to the United States of America. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. But speaking of uh, what's been going on in Washington, last week was another doozy between the President of the United States and Nancy Pelosi. They were uh, they were not just dealing with political issues. Uh, each was sort of uh, looking uh, into their uh, psychic ball, a crystal ball, offering some assessments of the other, and this is what that war of words looked and sounded like. Crying Chuck, crazy Nancy. I tell you what, I've been watching her, and I have, I have been watching her for a long period of time. She's not the same person. Uh, she's lost it. I pray for the President of the United States. I wish that his family or his administration or his staff would have an intervention for the good of the country. Stephanie Hitt, I'm going to start with you. Right. Uh, was that a low blow by either of those two participants? It was. A, uh, I will say it was um, somewhat low blows by both of them. Nancy has always been very quick to criticize this president, um, maybe in different choices of words. However, as a plain-speaking sp- sp- person out in the Midwest, I would say a lot of people are cheering that he walked away and said, you can't do what you're doing and then expect to work with me. I think there are actually a lot of people that were cheering that. Derek Annis, uh, you are our independent. You're for Bernie Sanders, but uh, go ahead. Your reaction to that. Uh, yeah, so as I've alluded to before, um, just really disappointed with the adults that are in D.C. Um, this is a simple concept that we teach children um, is to you know not degrade others when you're trying to work together. And uh, understandably, the president may not be appreciative of what's coming from one side and, and Pelosi and, and that side may not be appreciative of what's coming from the other side, um, but they all have a job to do. Uh, and dereliction of duty is a real thing. So whether or not you're upset with the other party, um, your job as the president or your job as 
uh, the Speaker of the House, is to sit down and, and keep the country moving forward. So we don't have time for this. David Earl Williams joins us. Uh, first visit. Thank for, thanks for joining us, David. Uh, what's your assessment of uh, <coughs> the conduct of those two people? And did, did either one of them go over the line as far as you're concerned? Yeah. And thank you for having me on. And, you know, this just shows why we have uh, issues that we do in politics. You know, both of them are immature in my book. And this is why nothing could get done. What about what about their followers, though? Are there followers cheering that? Hermaine Hartman, let me ask you. Both both low blows. This sounds like some teenagers in, in, in high school uh, arguing about something. Trump gives everybody a nickname. I keep waiting for somebody to give him a nickname. Uh, well, he's been given many nicknames. Well, I was to say, or I mean, tonight, can't you, might, you might not be able to say him on air. I'm talking about the crazy Nancy. Somebody needs to call him dumb Trump or something, but call him out some kind of way. Uh, he, he has a pattern. He's a, he's a master of the medium. I'm sorry, but he what, really, really what about, is. What about about his point, I'm going to go to just just go to his point. Um, his point basically is, uh, you know, you want an infrastructure bill, I want an infrastructure bill. We want to help the American people, and we said that for a long time. Both sides have said mm -hmm. that. But you know what? I'm not going to play your game when you've got people in your political army that are attacking me every single day. I'm just not going to do it. You don't get that way? No, I mean, you, you don't get to pretty much own the bully pulpit and then cry when you're being bullied as as you do to everyone else all the time. Um, and the post uh, the post walkout uh, conference or whatever Press he conference. had. Yeah, with the, the visual that was already drafted up that he yeah. had in front of his podium and stuff. I mean, it all just seemed like, like it was orchestrated. Like she said, he's... The one thing that he gets credit for is being really good at media stirring, and, and I think that's what, what that was. was. That? What is that? Stephanie, Stephanie. I think it was. I think there are some nuances to this. Remember, um, he's got to get support not just from um, you know Democrats, mm -hmm. but he's got to get support from Republicans. Mm -hmm. There, when that when he announced that infrastructure idea before anything was, there were a very a lot of very unhappy Republicans because uh, this is not the kind of bill that Republicans want to sign their name to where there's lots of works projects and things, make work types of projects. This is going to increase spending, increase the mm -hmm. deficit, things like that. So in a very nuanced way, He's, you know, he's not going to shoot himself in the foot with Republicans if he can't get support from, you know, if he can't get the Democrats to give somewhere else. But and they're the, not. They're refusing yeah. to do that. In the situation that you that you just outlined, was he being chauvinist? I mean, I, I thought that was he was being very chauvinistic in saying to Nancy, I'm not going to play your game, little girl. So this is the way well, we're going to do this. Well, he didn't say little girl, too. but he indicated. So, it was well, a show. He was, oh, he he was both. Well, I, I, I don't. I don't see that, don't but you know, I'm a, I'm a man, so maybe I yeah. don't see that. I think he was being chauvinistic. I, I, I guess because he he spoke, he's, he referred to her as crazy, and then he that's the word he uses for Bernie. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw that him being sort of equally. <laughs> I just I just you know, I don't understand, <laughs> Derek. I, I don't understand. I, I could understand that the the spending would go up, right? But. Uh, you know, I don't care who's in the office as long as that person is working towards the progression of the American people. Right. So to fix our corroding infrastructure, it creates jobs, it creates pride and all these yeah. things. And I don't understand why that's not a win for both sides to well, want to sit down and, and do but that. But then you have to ask, are the do, are, how committed are the Democrats to working with this? Are they willing to put aside more investigations? We're not sure about the Mueller report. We want to do impeachment. We want to see if we can well, do impeachment. Yeah. Are they willing but to how, do that to put something to their wait, name not, to show that they're yeah. working for the American people? Do you I want feel to, like that. Let me ask David. David, do you want to see more investigations? Do, do the American people need to know, number one, 
Uh, what's the origin of, of all this uh, investigation of the president? That's one question. And the other question is, because of the information that has been gleaned thus far, uh, should there be more investigations into how other things happen and how the president has acted and conducted mm -hmm. himself? Whether it's impeachment the, or just the side of impeachment. Right. Well, if the American people feel that <clears throat> there's strong evidence supporting that, sure. Uh, I would say if the shoe was on the other foot, which it was when Obama was in, the Republicans were attacking him, too. And I wasn't too crazy about some of his policies as well. Hmm. And I just, again, it's going back and forth. But they the weren't parties. investigating him all the time. No, they were making no, fun of him no. because he was wearing a tan well, suit. Well, yeah. and this is Congress making the fun is one thing, but, you know, yeah. investigation. We're going to pause when we come back. Yeah. I want to get everybody's response. 1-800-723-8289. If you want to join the conversation, I'm Bruce Dumont, live from the Paul and Angel Harvey studio at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago. Hi, I'm April Jewell, a teacher in Ballard County School District in Kentucky. Last year, we received word that our school had been selected to receive a $25,000 grant from the America's Farmers Grow Rural Education Program, sponsored by the Monsanto Fund, a philanthropic arm of Bayer. The grant is designed to help further science, technology, engineering, and math education. We used it to upgrade the technology in our classrooms to enhance health science curriculums and better prepare our students for various career paths. Now through April 1st, Farmers can nominate a school district to apply for ten dollars or $25,000 grants aimed at improving STEM education. I would encourage all eligible farmers to nominate today for a chance to make a lasting impact in countless classrooms. The process takes less than five minutes, and farmers can nominate their school district by visiting americasfarmers.com. That's americasfarmers.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Let's go to Alan. Listening to us in Chicago on our flagship station, WCGO. Go ahead, Alan. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, hello there. Please turn your radio down and speak up. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call so quickly. Okay. Uh, anyway, you mentioned earlier that the president is under attack every day. And one person's attacking is another person's quest for the truth. And some people could be hurt if the truth comes out, regardless of party. So I don't think searching for the truth is should be considered an attack. I mean, we should we should strive towards truth in Washington. No, okay. Let, let, let's or let let's let's examine your point, and that is, you believe that the news media is operating properly by reviewing the president's conduct every day. Well, I'm, certain newspapers strive for circulation, or news media means strive for circulation, so they might cater to the crowd, you know. Mm -hmm. They play up some facts that might downplay other facts. So there's always partisan in the reporting of truth. But you have to figure, use your own filter to figure what is more pertinent, right. what isn't pertinent. <clears throat> now let me ask you but, this question. Where do you, Alan, where do you get your news? <clears throat> Well, I watch the five thirty news on the networks. You know, either Channel Five or Channel Seven. Um, okay, so you're watching Lester Holt or David Muir on the network. Yeah, I don't have a computer, so I just okay. Well, that's okay. Well, they, a lot of people don't. So you you watch network news the way that most 
elderly people, I don't know how old you are, but most elderly people <clears throat> get their news. That's not well, how most people get their news anymore. Mm -hmm. And I would say that if you, if you watch uh, CBS and NBC and ABC, I, I generally watch NBC, you're basically going to get the same story with the same political perspective of the reporters or the uh, writers or the producers who select the stories. Many of them are the exact same stories. Many of them are generated from reading the same newspapers. And so they come up with the same ideas because they have the same political and social lives. And so well, if, if you watch, watch if you watch that. So it's again a certain cost, you have to get a cost section. Well, that's my point. And, and I, my, my answer would be, if you want a cross-section, if all you do <clears throat> is watch Fox News or all you do is watch CNN, you're going to get stories that are going to perpetuate your basic belief. I think if you really well, want to go and, and get, I think you want to watch, frankly, a little bit of Fox News or a lot of Fox News and a lot of CNN. Rush Limbaugh, right? I would, I would put the him that, in the mix. Rush Limbaugh and those other people—they're <clears throat> looking through a cardboard too. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying is that if if you really a, a person that really wants to to get a full breath, then I'm going to be quiet and let the guests talk. Is if you really want a full perspective, you'll watch Fox News, you'll watch CNN or MSNBC. I don't think you have to watch both of them. You might listen to Rush Limbaugh, and you might listen to All Things Considered on NPR. Hermaine Hartman, your response. I look at I look at Channel Five. I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with you. You've got to look at. You've got to remember. News gives us perspective and insights. It's not just the happenings or the events of of the day. You also get perspective and insight from news. So I'm like you. I, I look at about five different things. I read three newspapers every mm. every single day, and then I'm on the internet. David, where do you get your news? Yeah, so I look at CBS, uh, The Hill, even on the internet, NBC. Some Fox News, some CNN. Mm -hmm. Most definitely stay away from Alex Jones. You don't want to be too yeah, angry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's interesting because one of the points is um, is what stories do they choose to report on? Mm -hmm. Not just their perspective, right. but mm -hmm. the stories that they do. And it's, it is fascinating to, like, I'll go to the gym and they'll have six screens mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that if you, if they have ABC, CBS, and NBC, which is the main, you know, that more mainstream <clears throat> traditional network news, they're literally reporting the exact same stories, mm -hmm. maybe two right. minutes apart from each other. Mm -hmm. But then you'll see CNN and Fox News, and they will have almost op completely different, different stories. Mm -hmm. And I think you do. In this day and age, if you want to be informed, if you want to hear, try to seek the truth, <clears throat> you're going to have to go out and try to find every angle. And then from that, and knowing those perspectives and angles, try to decipher the truth yourself. We're asking a lot of people to do work to Derek. learn the truth. Uh, yeah, so I do a, I do a hybrid approach. Um, I, I really enjoy Reddit. Reddit actually is a, is a wealth of knowledge, and it's kind of like ground floor for a lot of breaking news, uh, especially mm -hmm. world news. Um, I'll look at, uh, there's a Young Turks on, um, on YouTube. Vice does a lot of good stuff on YouTube as well as far as news is concerned. And then I also pay attention to the mainstream media, what most would call mainstream, which would be you know, CNN, MSNBC. I watch Fox News. Um, you know, I, I feel like all the information that I can take in um, is only going to help me come up with a better decision on what I right. actually believe in. 
so I don't try to channel, mono-channel it, you know. Mm -hmm. But the internet, it's funny, I, we talked about this one time. I was on jury duty a few weeks ago, and one of the nice. paneling questions was, where do you get your news for source? Mm -hmm. And I would say 90% of the people there got their news from internet social media. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. even mm -hmm. the television stations, no, not no. the cable networks. I was floored of the so, 100 people yeah. in that group, the 50 people that were questioned, almost all of them got it through social media. Well, that's why no, no. during the 2016 election, the influence from the outside forces was so prominent and, right. and, and the thing that we needed to talk about, which <coughs> if I may, we're not actually <coughs> discussing that now because we have elections that are about to come up again. Mm. And I haven't really seen any progress as far as um, mm. controlling outside influence on the, the media mm. that's disseminated uh, on social right. sites. Well, but yeah. there is a control and that's yourself. Well, fa no, but that's Facebook, yeah. but what you're willing to read and believe. Sites, though. Yeah. Yeah, Facebook they, they, says that oh, they, they they've, they've been, yeah, they're, they're also um, not censorship, but as a way to curtail uh, yeah. foreign influence. They've taken off uh, Alex Jones. You just took yeah. a swipe at Alex Jones. Yeah, that's probably they took good Alex and Farrakhan. They took Farrakhan and Mr. Farrakhan. Oh, but but say, say, for example, you do have a page you create, because um, I had to verify mine, you know, public mm -hmm. figure and all that, right? So you have to actually send Facebook your home address, all this personal information, your social security, for them to verify it. So it's not like if there are Russian hackers, they can't start a page saying they're Donald Trump or Barack Obama. Okay. Say that again. So if you open a, a personal account, right. to, and this is because you ran for office. Correct. That, and that's, I don't think most people know that. You've right. got to register mm -hmm. with Facebook. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that a good idea, Hermaine? I think so. I, at least it gives it some kind of... Uh, you monitor in some kind, yeah, it gives some the kind appearance of, of it. It gives least. it the appearance yeah. of it. You yeah. monitor some kind of way. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, I agree with you about the personal responsibility of choosing the news sources that we pay attention to. <clears throat> um, but the reality of the world is that people are very influenced by right. by the prominence of uh, the same message, you know, m right. multiple times ringing in their ear. Um, and so it is unfortunate that oftentimes people they believe that they're being objective in what they're believing in, but in reality, it's this. Uh, this thing that's been created around them that is, is an illusion. Right. Donald Trump has already spent $271 million um, on Facebook advertising. Yeah. And it is like, it's like 10 times uh, more than all of the other Democrat candidates, I believe, uh, right. you know, combined. combined. So he knows, he knows how he got elected. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, whether or not he believes that, you know, he's going to get support again uh you know from from any third source we don't know but or the democrats may sharing, be looking for it's that sharing capability it's not mm -hmm. just that you produce the story and produce the news but we all know we are a um we have limited attention spans mm -hmm. i think now with social media and what i think it is is you read something you read it quick you think oh that's great that's sharp that says what i want to say mm -hmm. share it it goes out so that the quickness and speed with which it can reach even more people oh, sure. is phenomenal. Also, the and, response, the and, quick response, and I rapid will say, response. The limited attention span means people aren't really checking the eyes and the T's and the whatever. It it goes fast and it goes quick and it's well. Um, one of those things happens. David, you were talking about the uh, the video that's out there. Uh, uh, you know, mocking. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, tell people about that that may yeah. not know about it. Yes, yeah, so I it's mean, already gone viral, but yeah, know. I mean, yeah. if you don't know already, I mean, the, the president himself uh, and uh, his lawyer Rudy Giuliani, they both uh, retweeted this doctored video of uh, the Speaker of the House, and it goes to the point that, like, well, what can we believe in? Like, who are we right. supposed to trust if, like, the the top 
supposedly trusted official in our land is also spreading what he would call fake news under any other circumstance. And so it's very it's very disheartening, and it's, it makes it really hard. But despite yeah. what he did, he made her look drunkard, he made her look slow, he made her look... Well, he didn't. Whoever made well, whoever the video. Made it, right? But yeah. I mean, right. he felt like, you know, right. this is the message that he, he wanted. He wanted to take a stab he at her in this way. And, right. and, and the thing is, like, I'll give Giuliani credit, because as soon as he found out, he, he took it down. But as far as I know, our president still has it up on his feed and, yeah. and didn't, didn't say, but, hey, you know, I probably shouldn't have... But if you want to reach a younger audience, if all is is fair in politics and love, then, uh, and we're living the 21st century, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of people out there that that liked that video. They thought it was fun. They thought it was clever. And it might have made, it might have been, it might have ridiculed someone who they didn't like politically. But doesn't all sides do that? I've certainly seen oh, some yeah. derogatory. Oh. I mean, watch Jimmy Kimmel any night. Oh, you're going to yeah. see derogatory things about the president. Well, the, that the, uh, yeah. that right. You know, the twenty di- million people. Are the difference yeah. I would say is technology is getting to the point where we have what's called deep fake videos. Yes. And a deep fake video, I can make you, Bruce Dumont, look like you're saying things that you've never said yes, in your right, entire right. life. But it looks a hundred percent authentic. Yes, that so, was that was tested using Barack Obama yes. in the last election. Yes. And, so there will yeah. be a lot more of that yeah. that we've got and to look so, at. And yeah. so the problem with that is uh, that, you know, these people can't combat that. So it goes beyond a parody video on Jimmy Kimmel. This is now, like, real. It's like real life being altered. It's a fabricated reality, and that's a scary place. It's also, right. uh, I'm going to put a plug in here, it's a reason that if you have a spirited discussion of people on different sides of the political spectrum, Meeting every Sunday night okay. around a studio in Chicago, oh, yes. Six o'clock beyond the Beltway. Yeah. <laughs> you, no. you can touch and you yeah. can introduce some things that perhaps have yeah. been missed by the mainstream media. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt debt in in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. Uh, today on one of the morning shows, uh, they were uh, revealing some of the names of people who had served their country and had passed away since uh, mm-hmm. last Memorial Day. It was a mm-hmm. very nicely done segment. And then they also did a segment on uh, uh, veterans, uh, young veterans visiting Armin, uh, Arlington Cemetery, uh, Cemetery and basically telling the stories of the people that they went to visit. So... Uh, I think it's important, and I don't, I don't, I, I've not asked any of our guests here this evening whether there's any particular person in their life that uh, they think about on days like this. And I just want to take a second, but I'm going to ask you that. You may have a, something to say, you may not. Uh, in fact, I will uh, 
let's start with you, uh, Stephanie, and let's introduce uh, Stephanie Hitt. Who t tell us a little bit about yourself, and then uh, David Williams will also talk. But tell us a little bit about uh, who you yeah. are, why you're here, and is there anyone in your life experience that you will think especially about tomorrow? Yeah, I'm. Uh I'm a uh, conservative political uh, activist in Evanston, a reformed lawyer, worked in New York City for many years, and uh, I've been a delegate to the national conventions as a Republican, so got to see all the excitement and the parties. Um, but the person I'll be thinking about tomorrow, in part, is my daughter, Helen, who is um, a cadet at the Air Force Academy. Mm. She just finished her first year, and, uh, and sort of watching this experience that she's been going through. Um, one of the very unbelievable aspects of serving, and I know our other guests can talk about, it, is how much um, they take um, seriously the memory of the fallen, of all of those who have gone before, because they are all, like them, are all prepared to put the ultimate sacrifice out there, and that is their lives. But is there anybody within your family that, that you or that you remember that... Uh, whether it was an uncle yeah. or a grandfather or anyone that, that personally oh, from well, your family. I do. I have a great uncle who was uh, in what was a pre-Air Force. He was sort of the top gun of his <laughs> age, um, an Air Force pilot um, in World War II. He was shot down three times over mm -hmm. the Black Sea, and every single time was surprisingly rescued by a British sub or somebody. Um, so, mm -hmm. yes, he, um, and he served quietly. We never heard a lot of stories. We knew no. we knew him as a hero, um, but he served quietly. David uh, Earl Williams III joins us. This is your first visit. Tell us a little bit about uh, your your background. What are you doing right now? And then also the question about uh, whether there's any special person you will be thinking of tomorrow. Yes. So I'm a U.S. Navy veteran. I was stationed in Yokosuka, Japan from 2002 to 2006 on board the USS Calpins CG-63. I'm a novelist. I ran for alderman in the 48th Ward recently. Uh, 2014, I ran for uh, the U.S. House of Representatives in Illinois' 9th District as a Republican. Very close race. So I've worked with Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, and Green Party, so I've been all over the place. I consider myself to be more independent. Uh, when it comes to you know Memorial Day, you know my, my inspirations for joining the Navy was because of my two grandfathers. Um, on my, because I'm mixed, black, Irish, Native American, French. So my father's black, like, Irish, Native, Native American, American, and French, French. Ashkenazi, Jewish. That I mean, it's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Ashkenazi, okay. Yeah. I think that's a first for the show. Yeah. Go ahead. So on my father's side, African American, my uh, grandfather, mm. he was in the Navy during yeah. World War II, and my mother's side, he was Native American, fully blooded. Uh, the white side's my mm. grandmother, yeah. and he was in the Air Force. So yeah, they, they served as uh, you know being a uh, Hero figure for me. For let's that. let's uh, meet our Democrats. Uh, Hermaine Hartman. Uh, maybe you're not a Democrat. I'm an independent. You're an independent. Uh, more, uh, Democrat. more independent. More, yeah. more Democratic. Yeah, if, you know, if you, I've never in in my life. <laughs> if you ever push an independent, you don't have to push them too far before they will reveal themselves as a Democrat. As a Democrat. <laughs> That's oh, okay. Okay. But my question to you is: um, Is there anybody that you? First of all, tell people who you are. And then is there anybody that you will think uh, about specially tomorrow? So I am a publisher. We do a newspaper, uh, Indigo. I am a writer. Uh, I am an educator, and I am a social justice activist. I think of two people. Uh, I have uh, two uncles who have been in the, uh, in the Army, and uh, I think about them. They did not die. They just served, uh, served their terms. And uh, I think about them somewhat. And I think about the civil rights people. 
uh, who also <coughs> serve their terms in a in another kind of way. Derek Gaddis. Uh, yeah, I, um, I'm an MBA candidate at DePaul. I graduate in three weeks, and I started uh, Falloon with the digital media marketing a couple weeks ago. Um, we don't make brands. We make brands better. Um, I think my life mission now is to facilitate communication between differing opinions um, so that we can all understand we kind of all essentially want the same things, um, but we do disagree on how to get there, but I think we can find common ground. Um, when I'm asked about what I think about for tomorrow, um, obviously I think about the service members um, that I was deployed with. Um, but I also think about the people whose homes that we were in, uh, the Iraqi people. Um, I didn't deploy to Afghanistan, but the Afghani people, um, the people in Yemen who were subject to drone strikes um, for the past number of years um, before Bernie Sanders and others uh, ended that. Um, so I don't, I, I think about the entirety of what um, combat and armed, armed conflict does to the world uh, and to the people afflicted on both sides. So, um, yeah. Do you have people that you served with that, that died? Um, when I was at Bilal Air Base, um, there was an individual, uh, I, won't, I won't say their name, but um, they, they passed away in an unfortunate accident. Um, but specifically from who the people that I deployed with, um, 100% thankful that we all came home, 10 fingers, 10 toes. Um, and I don't think anybody smashed a toe with a weight. We worked out a lot. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, that individual, that was definitely, uh, it was very tough to go through that because um, while we were at, we were at Joint Base a lot. And so um, it was an Air Force uh, controlled, mostly Army base, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so that individual was in the Army, but it didn't matter. He was, we were all the same. And uh, it was kind of tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can, can I say something? Oh, go ahead. You know, from a veteran perspective David. on that, and I, and I happen to uh, sympathize with him on that. Um, you know, I joined the Navy because it was a family tradition. You know, I went in during the time of uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. I didn't necessarily agree with that war, which is, you mm -hmm. know, strange, right? You know, why are you joining? Right. Because um, the the way how it was carried about, mm -hmm. it was just t entirely wrong and. No weapons of mass destructions and all that and you know just seeing people come back with the limbs blown off and the ptsd you know for corporate interest because mainly it's for the oil over there right you know from my perspective and you know from what i've seen i i do feel to this day that the veterans it's funny you serve your country you still come back you get treated like garbage regardless what president's in there uh yeah some of them may do you know give a little bit of sugar coating here and there to you know make it a little easier but Still, tell us what you mean terribly. by tell us what you mean by treated like garbage because I, I certainly I come from the Vietnam era, mm -hmm. and and those that's many of those that served in the Vietnam War, when they came home they were shunned, some were spat upon allegedly, uh, in the San Francisco airport. That's certainly a whether it's a true story or not. It's certainly one that's been perpetuated. Uh, it took a long time for there to be a parade. Uh, no one during the Vietnam era said thank you for your service, mm -hmm. which is almost an automatic thing that you hear mm -hmm. from people now. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean when you say they were, that, that their veterans today are treated like garbage? Well, I could tell you from people I know who have just pretty much been outcast. Yeah, you, you get your occasional thank you, and that's appreciated, sure. But the, the, when it comes to PTSD, you go to the veterans hospital or whatever, you know, if you have insomnia, here, to have a pillow to fix that instead of actually, you know, something to uh, assist with that. And there's a lot of homeless veterans, and the suicide rate with veterans are pretty high, yes. too. Mm -hmm. What should we be doing well, about that? Well, we homeless, have to, But, but, but yeah. a homeless veteran, mm -hmm. right, right. Uh, isn't that somewhat of an oxymoron? Yes. Because a homeless veteran 
there is a place where they can go if they choose to go. Right. But I think a lot of it is um, not under, you know, we, obviously mental illness is in general is something that we have a hard time grasping as a society, and let alone PTSD and, and the horrors and the stresses and stuff of war. I think that... Um, I think we're trying. I, I would say, I, I feel like I hear more and more about organizations that are trying to do things like find jobs, provide housing. We have that. There's, you know, every day we hear the ads for like Wounded Warrior Project and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. My, my, the reason my daughter chose to serve was specifically to study neuroscience and work with PTSD. That's exactly why she's there. She wants to work with returning veterans. Mm -hmm. And I think there's more and more. Um, encouragement for people to do that there but there's no money we're not making that a priority I think we'd all agree that there's we these people make if not the ultimate they make incredible sacrifices either limbs or their emotional stability we don't take care of them when they come home that, I, think that's great. I think I think about the Vietnam veterans who were mistreated right. I also think about the black soldiers World War two who fought for their country overseas and then mm -hmm. came back to face racial discrimination, mm -hmm. segregation, and sometimes even lynchings in uniform. Mm -hmm. I think about that. No veteran, I don't care what war they fought, should come back home and not right. have a job. Every veteran should automatically, right. somewhere along the yeah. way, mm -hmm. have a job uh, because of the job that they did for their country. David? I think, you know, back to the, the whole issue why the veterans are coming back the way they are i i would say yeah i'm, I'm somewhat anti-war just from my experience not, not that i'm um against if it's uh declared constitutionally and there has to be a valid reason but you know there's a lot of wars that the u.s is involved that's just not needed at the moment and it's a drain on our resources derek yeah. um the president by the way let me let me just <clears throat> briefly kind of answer the question uh that i mentioned the person that I will think about tomorrow is uh, Frank Jeevish. Frank Jeevish was a uh, very good friend, one of my two or three best friends growing up on the northwest side of Chicago, a graduate of uh, James Monroe Elementary School, went on to become an all-city running back at, uh, at Weber High School, and uh, he went off to serve his country. Uh, this was in mid-60s, 1965, 66, uh, as a Marine uh, Corps uh, infantryman and he lost his life and uh, uh, I have seen his name on the at least on the Vietnam statue that we have here uh, in Chicago so I'll think about Frank Jeevish tomorrow. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly. It's a bully but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive but our focus never fades. It's deadly but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
Dumont back in Chicago. And uh, Derek, you were saying why you uh, joined the Air Force. Oh. Yeah. Can you finish that story yes. or do you not uh, want to finish the story? That's fine. Um, I, I, I wanted out of the life that I was currently living in. And uh, then, yeah, so I went to the Air Force and uh, I told my recruiter I wanted to be on the next train smoking. And I ended up uh, security forces. I met some really amazing people and it was cool. I, 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 that was one of my Thank reasons you. as yeah. well. Uh, you know, it just changed life. Because to be honest, when I was growing up in Chicago, I absolutely hated it. I did not want to even come back. And I spent time in Canada after the Navy. And mm -hmm. then, you know, fate, here I am. You know, I'm back here and I'm running for office. Isn't, isn't, isn't that the story that you just told, both of you told, mm -hmm. isn't that the majority of reasons why people, you know, we hear the heroic reasons that I joined because of 9-11 or because mm -hmm. of this. And I think that certainly does happen. But is that the majority of is that is that the majority of the story that's out there, or is it more like yourself or yourself? You're at a point in life that's not working for you, and and frankly, maybe you need the discipline of, of the military, or you need you need a sense of purpose. Yeah, I, I in your case, it might have been a sense of purpose too, right? Yeah, well, I need I needed a lot of things. Um, I, I won't I won't pretend to speak for every service member, um, but in my own experience, I, I saw I saw we a bunch of people like me. I mean, we didn't grow up with money. We we came from places where. We were either marginalized or forgotten, or the resources that were in other parts of uh, even the cities that we lived in were more robust than what we had. Um, I can be honest with you, I didn't even know about college scholarships, and nor did I even deserve one with the grades that I had gotten in high school. But even the idea that, that pro those programs weren't there to talk to, you know, I, I went to school in San Antonio. Um, our entire school district, the everybody was so poor, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term that you just everyone automatically qualified for um for lunch and breakfast not reduced just yeah. free everyone got free lunch and breakfast i mean that was the the that was our community you know and and uh yeah i want to i want to switch gears and talk about what's happening right now and what's likely to happen uh, for the next maybe a foreseeable future the president announced that 1500 troops are going to be sent to the middle east uh it is because of the iranian threat and in addition to that, the president wants to release $80 billion in arms sale to the Saudi government, to the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and to Jordan. And uh, supposedly his advisors in the military have suggested you should probably be thinking of sending 15,000. Right. Yeah. So he's backing away. He's doing something, but again, because he didn't want to he promised he wasn't going to do this. He's pulling his punch. Now, is is he making the right decision or the wrong decision? It seems to me he's yeah. doing something for political purposes, which may not be enough. Well, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know if we know exactly what he's thinking in this one. I think we rarely he, do. We exactly, and um, and I'm not going to say he 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 does have a purpose, whatever, whether you agree with or not. I think we can all say Donald Trump doesn't do things just accidentally, and um, he vowed he was the one who spoke out against going into Iraq, and he has he. I think it's very clear. He does not want to be a war president, even though he talks about, oh, I'm going to show Iran what I'm doing and I'm going to do this. I think he's willing to show might. I don't know that he's willing to go to war. I, I got to tell you, but 1,500 yeah. people, That's total. that ain't That's might. Exactly. No, but David, even, I mean, or, I'm sorry, you Derek. can either be an a direct war president or an indirect war president. And to go outside of Congress and say, I'm still going to do this deal anyways with the Saudis, I mean, yeah. that's to me an indirect war president. I mean, you're mm -hmm. still funneling these 
these things that are they're meant to do harm to people and that's what they're going to do with them they're not I mean, he's not sending food or, or monetary aid for health care or vaccines. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's sending weapons. He's weapons but that they this... hopefully will use on our mutual enemies. <laughs> but, it, but is this us. about selling arms? Is well, this about it's selling it's arms and airplanes? Well, yeah, I mean, part of it, I mean, part of it, I mean, is part of it is we're sending 1,500 troops, which according to the token. president, which right. is a token. 15,000 is what was allegedly recommended right, by the military yeah, advisors. Right. So that's a huge drop right there. And oh, by the way, we're going to send our friendly folks in the Middle East, we're going to send them $80 billion. And we're going to send it to the Saudis, which mm -hmm. are, you know, they're, they're still waging their, mm -hmm. you know, war on Yemen, which we don't like. We, we've sort of backed away from our, our, our wishes there. But they're certainly going to use some of those weapons there. They're going to the UAE. They're going to use them. Jordan. These are friendly yeah. countries to the United States. They're going to use them, and they're going to use them to to hopefully thwart the ongoing threat of Iran. So let me ask you, David. Yeah. So in we, your we, opinion, yeah. how how big a threat is Iran? You said that you know you've served, but you also said you're sort of an anti-war guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've seen how effective that was with Syria and all the other wars when the U.S. have, uh, you know, sent over our tax dollars and to intervene. And, you know, a lot of that money could be used here. Uh, and this is my opinion, especially being a veteran who has served. I personally can't respect a draft dodger who's going to send people in harm's way, even if it is a minor number of troops. That's not my concern, what's going on in that region. Let them take care of their own business. You know, so be it. The U.S has their own issues to worry about. I, well, I I, feel, we can't ignore yeah. Iran. I well, mean, but, I know we don't want to go to war. And, and, and if, like there, if there is but, a legitimate threat, let Congress take care we, of us. I mean, we like, do have to show ahead. strength in the Middle East. You don't well, have to be I mean, warned Derek, about it. Derek. I know I always say things that we've said, but you catch more flies with honey. And we had a deal with the, Iran, with the Iranian people for, for nuclear arms. And our president came in and said, nah, we're not going to go by that anymore. And then now here we are talking about escalation of conflict with Iran. I mean, this is all calculated. And if it wasn't calculated, someone miscalculated when they pulled out of that deal initially. And now we're going to send more people in harm's way. Even if it's 1,500 people, yeah. if one of those person dies, that's like, for, for what, right? right? Because we pulled out of a deal and we knew it was working. Well, but we, we have begun, we have begun the discussion. Uh, we're going to break right now for uh, news around the country. And we will be back for another full hour of Beyond the Beltway, 1-800-723-8289. This is the Memorial Day weekend version of Beyond the Beltway. And by the way, in the next hour, I'd really like to hear your stories about whether or not we should send 1,500 people to the Middle East. Do you support the president's new idea or not, as well as the $80 billion in foreign arms sales to Saudi Arabia and others? I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly. April Jules, a teacher in Ballard County School District in Kentucky. Last year, we received word that our school had been selected to receive a $25,000 grant from the America's Farmers Grow Rural Education Program, sponsored by the Monsanto Fund, a philanthropic arm of Bayer. 
The grant is designed to help further science, technology, engineering, and math education. We used it to upgrade the technology in our classrooms to enhance health science curriculums and better prepare our students for various career paths. Now through April 1st, farmers can nominate a school district to apply for $10,000 or $25,000 grants aimed at improving STEM education. I would encourage all eligible farmers to nominate today for a chance to make a lasting impact in countless classrooms. The process takes less than five minutes and farmers can nominate their school district by visiting americasfarmers.com. That's americasfarmers.com. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We, we put, put debt, debt in, in its place. place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. back in Chicago. We say uh, farewell to Hermine Harton. She had to go to another engagement, so she will not be with us in this hour, but our other guests continue. And uh, we've been talking about the president's decision to send 1,500 troops to the Middle East and $80 billion in an arms sale. Uh, but before we get back to that discussion, we've got a couple of uh, young veterans with us this evening. I want to talk about another issue that the president is involved in right now, and that is he is considering uh, giving a presidential pardon uh, to a, a couple of people accused of war crimes, one convicted and one accused. And I want to just get reaction. Uh, first of all, I want to get a reaction from you before we hear from the veterans, yeah. uh, Stephanie, because you have a family that's interested and involved in the, right. in the military. Is this a bad decision and a bad precedent for the president? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he obviously has the power to do it. To do these things, but I think I think it's been made very clear that um, these cases are looked at for very specific reasons, and that there there are in fact situations where, for whatever reason, somebody who was trained and who was following orders 
where you know something went wrong get you sometimes you need to excuse those people it doesn't mean that anyone who commits any war crime is going to get pardoned by the president i mean obviously there are some people who do horrific things and should be um convicted um so i i don't know that we can as we cannot blanket say this is a bad idea i think that there are times and i think the president um is doing a good thing by saying look there are standards that we are judging the very people that we've trained to go in and do things and follow orders, and then we turn around and then we punish them for doing just that, having at least an opportunity for that to be reviewed is not a bad thing. Derek, uh, Addis, where do, you, where do you come down on this? Uh, yeah, so I don't specifically know the cases that you're speaking of, but I feel that if a panel of individuals previously convicted someone for, for war crimes, so, you know, something that's probably... Mm. I would say a lot more uh, in depth as far as the process of figuring out if that person needs to be convicted or not, mm -hmm. as opposed to just a regular civil um, adjudication here. Mm -hmm. I think for uh, a president, uh, especially one who's never served himself, under whatever circumstances, that's not where I'm going with that. But this person never served to say that, oh, you know, uh, you were under a lot of pressure and you made a mistake while you're doing that or whatever. I mean, I don't know that that person is the right person to make that decision. Um, regardless of the stress and the pressure that you're under while you're over there, had I shot and killed somebody uh, outside of the scope of what I was lawfully allowed to do, then I'm, I'm convictable for that offense and mm -hmm. I shouldn't be pardoned for that. So I don't know what, uh, if you're talking about the yeah. leader of the troops, was it the right. guy who yeah. led those people? Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's yeah. a couple of cases. Yeah, there's there's, 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 there's some Very convictions different. and there's some accusations. But uh, David, uh, where do you come down on this uh, issue? I would say from my military If you're training, convicted of, right. let's, let's just talk about the people okay. convicted. Right. If you're convicted of a war crime, right. does that military person deserve to have a pardon because those that oppose it believe that that not only does it lower our standards, but it can really hurt future, uh, you know, troops uh, if they were to be captured. Right. Yeah. So uh, you know, my military training, I wasn't trained to you know shoot innocent civilians or you know rape women, which there have been cases right. in the past that has happened. Um, I would say you know if you commit a crime like that, you're, you're going to have to serve the time. You know, there, when I was in Yokosuka, Japan, you know, we had uh, at the time the USS Kitty Hawk, that was the aircraft carrier. For some reason, you, you had people off that ship. They were going out in town, beating yep. up on tax cab drivers and all this other stuff. And you know, they would go to the and there brig. were rapes involved. Yeah, in the there case. was, yeah. and, and they would go to you know they would go to the brig and eventually a uh, dishonorable discharge. And you know, there was convictions with that. So you know, you do the crime, you do the time. You know, this. Uh, Excuses saying, oh, there's so much stress. You, you could compare that, let's say, for example, like, you know, cops are under a lot of stress, and it's a very stressful job, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of them that do a lot of good. My ex-step-uncle was a cop. He did, you know, he did a fantastic service. But for the very few who actually do go out, you know, right. use beyond, their authority. Yeah, beyond the authority. Yeah, you know, beyond and, that. And, you yeah. know, that they, they should be held accountable. Yep. Yeah, and, and uh, it's coming to me, like, like you said, it's the individual who was leading, and he was giving unlawful orders for them to carry out. Am I, is that the correct case mm -hmm. that you're speaking of? Yeah. yeah, I mean, especially that person to be in a supervisory position. I mean, you're leading troops, and and for you to abuse your authority and um, disseminate unlawful orders, I mean, that's there. You, 
you can't come back from that. I mean, all we're done in training is put on, under incredibly uh, intense and stressful situations so that when the go time is happening, that you're going to be able to perform at your highest and do your best. And so that's why I don't accept maybe the stress uh, as, a, as an okay. excuse. Yeah. I want to come back to our discussion before the break, and that is uh, the sending of 1,500 troops uh, which is less than what the military allegedly have, had recommended the president. And then there's the $80 billion in arms sale. The reason the president is doing it, because he really, mm -hmm. he doesn't want to, um, at least based on what he said, this this certainly could be interpreted as a uh, as a campaign promise that he broke. And he seems to be obsessed with not breaking campaign promises. Right, right. He doesn't want to, you know, uh, uh, no uh, nation building and things of that nature. But again, he's also very strong about Iran, and he's yes. also we also know he's very close to Israel. So my right. question, just to the, the three of you today, do you are you worried about Iran? Is is Iran, and if Iran had a nuclear weapon, would it bother you, David? Would it bother you? Is that something to well, North Korea to has war? North Korea has nukes, and you know they bother okay. me more than well, Iran personally. Well, okay. So what? So let me ask you the question. Does any other nation on Earth have the right, in your opinion, to have nuclear weapons? I would prefer if none of them have it, but they're going to get it. But does the United States have a, have a moral obligation to make sure that no one has any more nuclear weapons? No. The, no. Derek? Well, it's one of those things where, I mean, we're not... We shouldn't be allowed to have things and then tell everyone else that they can't have them. And so I think coming at it from that aspect, that's where the problem and the conflict is created. So go back to what I was saying and earlier. To those people, and to those people that would argue, it may be talking yeah. back to the radio right now. Yeah. You can't say that we shouldn't uh, do that because we are the United States of America. Mm -hmm. There's an American superiority. Complex. Right. And there's also... An American well, moral outrage. We have the ability right. to, to stop it allegedly, but, and so we should. But post World War II, that hasn't worked in our favor. When we look at Vietnam, at South Korea, at the, the things we've been doing in Yemen, at Iraq, at Afghanistan, our influence in Syria, like we went from this place where the world was like, hey, you're a superpower, we need your help. We toppled um, the fascist regime, regime in World War II, right? We took care of that. That was awesome. But then it turned into this um, military industrial complex that Eisenhower himself, who served, talked about. Mm -hmm. And here we are today, just doing everything complete opposite well, to what we I, have I started. Just, I completely disagree. I think I'm going to go with the, the, those of you out there yelling at your radios right now and say, I do think the United States is better. I do. I mean, look, we don't always, we don't invade. We don't capture people. We don't enslave we, other countries. We, what was we don't do these things. What was Iraq? We do <laughs> not. Yeah, but we don't go. But we invaded stay. those places. Okay, look what Russia's done to Crimea. We don't do that. Under false pretenses. Look what Russia's doing to Ukraine. We don't do things like that. We've got two veterans that, that are asking yeah, the yeah. question. Right. They challenge your point that we did not uh, invade yeah. uh, Iraq. When we come back, I'm going to let you get three minutes to come up with an answer. 1-800-723-8029. We've also got some callers on the line. We will engage them when we continue on this Memorial Day weekend, 2019. Hi, I'm April Jewell, a teacher in Ballard County School District in Kentucky. 
Last year, we received word that our school had been selected to receive a $25,000 grant from the America's Farmers Grow Rural Education Program, sponsored by the Monsanto Fund, a philanthropic arm of Bayer. The grant is designed to help further science, technology, engineering, and math education. We used it to upgrade the technology in our classrooms to enhance health science curriculums and better prepare our students for various career paths. Now through April 1st, farmers can nominate a school district to apply for $10,000 or $25,000 grants aimed at improving STEM education. I would encourage all eligible farmers to nominate today for a chance to make a lasting impact in countless classrooms. The process takes less than five minutes and farmers can nominate their school district by visiting americasfarmers.com. That's americasfarmers.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we're going to stop our conversation here. We'll pick it up in just a moment. But we do have callers. They've been waiting a long time. Let's go to Ron, who's listening to us online from San Francisco. Go ahead, Ron. Hello. Hello. Yes. Am I on the air now? You are. Go ahead. Okay, sir. I I had a question that was kind of broad here. Uh, Okay. How how is it that we have money to send to oil-rich countries, and we did not solve the problem that was Facebook created, which was a harm that it did our country from from their profit-making in Silicon Valley. These people in tech industry said they would do no harm, and for profit they'd done tremendous harm, which it would take a lot of military to have done in-country by them. And mm-hmm. now, secondary, for Silicon Valley to create e-cigarettes that now have contaminated 27.7% of mid- and high school students in use, and then the next generation will be influenced in this. Where are we in this program? We need to put this money at home, cut out, cut the cigarettes, and cut the e-cigarettes, and cut Silicon Valley from doing any free flow that they have. Okay, well, let me, let, me, let me just just stop for a second, because I think it's one of the things that, that, that that's important, and that is uh, because some presidential candidates... Uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, being uh, one, uh, she has suggested that maybe we break up Facebook. I think Kamala Harris has mm-hmm. talked about it as well. So let's find out. Should Facebook be, be broken up? And as this caller is suggesting, maybe Facebook has done uh, you know a, a lot of harm that they've gotten away with, uh, David. I think Facebook, uh, for how far it's come, especially what I mentioned when it comes to verifying pages, they're mm-hmm. going to do the best they can. I. You know, people can make the argument saying, oh, there's a lot of fighting when it comes to political ideologies. I think that actually is good to have that conversation if you have it in uh, mature ways. So I, I, I have no issue with the way Facebook is uh, right now. Well, I think there's a, you know, um, a general gut reaction, and that is Facebook is a private company created by the ingenuity of, you know, um, a few people, one person who's taken it taking it to a very successful level. Um, I guess, um, are, you, are we now saying that every time something gets big and influential, the government has to come down and dismantle it? I mean, that's what I'm afraid of. Um, I don't think that, I mean, you know, we as users and subscribers, we're the marketplace. The question the, is, did, did, did Facebook, uh, did they pay a big enough price for their laxity during the 2016 campaign, David, I'm sorry. That's a good. I'm sorry, Derek. Derek. Uh, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, I'll, 
Uh, I'm not well read enough to definitively say what I think about that, um, but I can say that I have not seen the signs that I would like to have seen that would kind of lead me to a, to a, a decision. Um, I don't think that they have done enough to curtail um, those things from happening again in the future elections. Um, and as far as uh, monopoly busting, I mean, there are times in our history, if you look at the Bell Corporation, oh, yeah. when you know oh, yeah. we busted them up because it, it was consumer protection, right? Uh, and then they get so big that they can actually start infiltrating governments and controlling things like water and, and resources that should be um, shared uh, amongst the community. So, uh, you know, again, that's a broader discussion to have once we get there. Uh, as yeah. far as Facebook now, I don't know, but I'd be down to sit down after the show and start getting to work on that if we decide to well, break up Facebook or not. You know, it's, it's interesting because what we're talking about, you know, Facebook and then are, are they doing the, the effective job of policing the yeah. hacking, the fake news, yeah. those kinds of things. And, um, you know, the, the, the market reaction to it is if people don't like it, if they don't think Facebook is doing a very good job at what they do, then go somewhere else. Right. You know, that's what the free market, the free market allows market, that. Yeah. So, but what is really fascinating is, and now people are upset about when Facebook does try to do that, they've now decided they're banning certain people from using it, mm -hmm. so on. So they, which as a private company, I, they can s sort of do that. I mean, I'd rather, um, but what's interesting <laughs> is there are no other alternatives really out there. Facebook, um, you know, yeah. Where so I guess yeah. where's the marketplace for that? Where are people stepping in and we're, being? We're going to move to another call. Yeah. David also uh, listening in San Francisco. Go ahead, David. Are you there? Oh uh, yes. Go ahead. Uh, um, yeah, I um, was aware of. I, I was paying attention earlier to when you were talking about the uh, Facebook and yeah. Facebook talking about or uh, getting rid of the uh, fake accounts. Yes. And when you start looking at that whole issue, uh, if I remember right, what was it, over 2 billion fake, fake accounts? Now, mm -hmm. if you look at the population of the world, uh, that's going on half of the population of the entire world had a, uh, there were, there were so many fake accounts that it, it equaled half of the world's population. So when you start getting into polling, when you get start getting into uh, some of the allegations about how uh, <coughs> Trump had outsourced the politics of the uh, 2016 election to uh, to Russia, I mean, you know, everybody's trying to claim that it was the Russian government, but I think it, in reality it was Trump had outsourced his political campaign to a Russian oligarch. Mm -hmm. The Russian oligarch was a friend of Putin. Uh, thought, uh, Trump thought he'd be able to get some cleaner, uh, you know, cleaner access to trade with uh, mm -hmm. with Russia by doing it. And he's ended up not only uh, putting the entire nation at harm. You know, with the the very idea that he would outsource a political campaign. I mean, that in itself, in itself, uh, outsourcing a, a political campaign to a foreign entity, much less that it was Russia. Uh, well, I don't think all of that that, yeah. that hasn't all been 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 proven that hasn't so been far. Proven. I don't. Think I mean, that's, that's part of the discussion. That. But but yeah. let me ask you a question on the subject we were talking before the break, David. Are you, as an American, are you worried at all about Iran, 
and and the power of Iran and whether or not Iran should have a nuclear weapon. Are you concerned about it? Um, that, to me, is a phony issue. You remember about two or three months ago, there was an economic summit, and there was a, a video of Mr. Bonesaw, the Saudi fake prince, yes. uh, MBS, and he's standing there, and all of a sudden Putin walks in, and they have a high-five slap, you know, it was the most yes. amazing comedy handshake that you could ever imagine. Yes. Now, if you know about world affairs, uh, the Russians are protecting Syria against ISIS. The ISIS was created by the Saudi Arabians to help in pipelines crossing uh, Syria. <clears throat> So there is no logical reason for Saudi Arabia and, and Putin or Russia to be in any kind of alliance. But when you look at that handshake, apparently their alliance has to do with keeping oil prices high. And if you were to look at Venezuela being one of the biggest pots of oil in the Western Hemisphere, and Iran being a, a pot of oil that the uh, Saudi Arabians have been lusting after for decades, uh, this whole, th the attack on Saudi, or, or excuse me, the attack on Iran, as well as the attack on Venezuela, are to embargo their oil so they can't sell it, and that keeps the oil prices high for the rest of the world, okay. which means that Saudi Arabia and Russia get to, to profiteer from it. Stay, so, stay, no, stay, 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 stay on the line. I want to get the reaction from our guest, starting with Derek. I want to get the reaction uh, to your comments as to whether or not they agree with your assessment or not. Derek. Yeah, no, I've, um, I believe Iraq was about oil. I believe Venezuela is about oil. I believe the entirety of the United States foreign policy in the Middle East is not about nation building. It's not about bringing people out of poverty. It's about um, oil interest. And unfortunately, our globe, our, our world has run on oil as a source of energy. Um, and you know, producing jobs and things of that nature for, for a number of years. Um, and so I think that is what creates a, a multitude of conflict around the world that we get involved with. David. Yeah, so nation building is just the guys going and you know, steal the natural resources. So uh, I would agree with the caller's uh, you know, point of view there. Stephanie? I disagree completely. I think that um, the, um, my personal feeling and, um, is that Iraq our invasion of Iraq back then um, was something I, I, although it's never really been discussed, I, I think that um, George W. Bush decided that we need to have a presence in the Middle East and one that's stable and consistent. And the most opportune situation for that was a defiant, difficult dictator, Saddam, that he knew you know everybody in the world hated. And that, that being in Iraq gave us um, and a, a foothold into the region where we could provide stability or whatever. But if, yeah. And, the, and the, the key to that is, and I think it boils down to, is Israel. It's the protection of Israel. So with the that is, so that stability in the Middle East is incredibly important is because of our greatest of ally, Israel, But Israel. is the protection of Israel the excuse of our foreign policy for 50 plus years? No. Is that the excuse because we don't want to admit that it's really about oil. No, I think the opposite. I think it is the ultimate goal. I think I do believe that we as a country as a country 
put Israel and its protection and what it represents in the entire world. It is the only successful d democracy in the Middle East. It is the only free place in the Middle East. David, you buy that? Give me a 30 second, 10 second answer. I don't think it's there to protect uh, Israel. I think it's there for the oil again. Yeah, okay. David, David in San Francisco, thank you very much for joining us. We got David, we got Derek, we got Stephanie, I'm Bruce. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. We roll on. We'll continue our discussion and also get into some other issues, including uh, whether or not you like the new Attorney General of the United States. He's in a position to declassify just about anything he wants. Is that a good idea? Back shortly. Death. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We, we put, put debt, debt in, in its place. place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Uh, the President of the United States wants the Attorney General, William Barr, uh, to make the decision and uh, full and complete declassification of content that he feels is important as it relates to the Russia investigation and also looking in to uh, the origins of the uh, Russia investigation uh, by the House and, and by, uh, uh, by, by House committees as well as by Robert Mueller. So my question to you is, uh, are you okay with the President uh, anointing the Attorney General and appointing the Attorney General to have that right? David, is that a good idea? Yeah, so this answer might shock you, but you know, if you want to build trust with the public and you want transparency, I think it actually would be a good idea. Okay, Stephanie? Well, I agree, and he has that power. He has that power for a reason. It's completely appropriate for him to do this. Does it build trust, Derek, uh, if the Attorney General makes this decision? Well, he'd build trust if he released the full Mueller report. I think that you can start there to to say that, oh, now you have the power to do this, but because I want you to investigate the origins of this other investigation, I think that's very disingenuous. Well, there are members of Congress that have seen that. But, but it's not everybody, yeah. not 435. And, and a lot of members of Congress who needed to see that were, are still being stonewalled and not allowed to see that. And they're playing by the rules by not going and, and figuring out a way to see it because there's leaks are everywhere, right? But they're playing by the rules. Well, there and, are, but there are leaks everywhere. So if, yeah. you, if you gave out the unredacted, uh, by the way, do you support the, uh, the redactions of uh, the, uh, the, the, the report? Uh, the, not, not the report, but the, the, the testimony given uh, to the uh, grand jury. Uh, well, I mean, there's a law that says you yeah. can't do that. Now, yeah. Yeah. do you want to break that law? No, so if it's part of ongoing investigations or something else that has uh, alternate, alternate litigation, then yeah, that stays capped, right? But if it's- Do you agree that if it has some damage on a third party who has no involvement in this case, 
that it could besmirch their reputation. Hmm. Should that be also? You mean, as in, like, it would, it would just reveal that this person did something that's not illegal, but they're just kind of a bad person? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think that's yeah. part of it. Or yeah. even well, if it is illegal. I mean... It, well, yeah, so then, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, okay. we should okay. be able to know that. Like, I mean, here's the thing. If, if you can walk around the world without impunity and just do whatever you want, then we'd have a bunch of really crappy people running okay. around the world. So you should be... You know. Okay, so my, my question back to you is Mindful, on the yeah. things that we on the things that we don't know yet. Yeah. There's a lot that we don't know. A lot of it is classified. And the president has said, I'm going to let my attorney general, he's my chief legal eagle, I'm gonna let my attorney general make those decisions. Mm -hmm. Now, David has said that he thinks that William Barr he can trust William Barr to do that. Do you trust William Barr, or are you going to hold things that he's done in the past against him? Well, I mean, I would expect people to hold the things that I've done in my past against me. Not to say that I can't be different in the future, but, you know, I'm also not the Attorney General of the United States, right? I didn't already have an opportunity to present to the world a report that took two years to create and do so in a very shady manner to write a summary within hours of receiving it and act like you were able to actually consume, digest, and analyze 400 some odd pages, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, of a report. I mean, that's, again, that's disingenuous. So had he waited a week and came out with the same thing, I might've believed him a little bit more, but no, I, I don't. Stephanie, is there something to that? You know, I, I actually don't agree with it. I think that he made it very clear, I'll try to get this out with lots of pressure, I'll get this out as fast as well. He never said was that Was that the mistake? Was the mistake trying, to, ru trying to rush it? Well, for, for the media, no. everybody you wanted to know. You know why? Because everyone said, why are you delaying? Why are you delaying? No. What are you trying to cover nobody, up? That's exactly nobody, what was being no, said. Nobody forced so him is, to come out within 48 hours later. there was later, a lot of that pressure for him span. to come out with, it, with but a summary. It, but he summarized it. He summarized it. That's what he was saying. This is what it is. It's not a summary in that, like, Mueller's introductory summary. That is correct. But that was that but, itself is like thirty but, pages but long. But that's what I'm saying. But though. he did that's, get the gist of the report right. That's still debatable. That's what's amazing. We're still debating. Is he that. basically said now, boil it down? There's a couple things. Yeah. You can go into the details yourself. Yeah. Do we believe he got that right? All right, all right. Does everybody at this table you you want to know as much of the truth as possible, right? Yeah. Yes. I think we. Yeah. Why yeah. is it that so many Democrats are screaming bloody murder about? about giving the to the attorney general and this uh, US attorney in Connecticut the right to start pulling some strings and unraveling the the threads to see where this investigation started what did James yeah. Comey know and when did he know it what about Peter Strzok what about Lisa Page what about you mm -hmm. know GPS all kinds of things that are basic questions that were you know he wants to know what the predicate of this right. investigation was now he, he yeah. is seventy wants to do it. Why isn't that if if your goal is the pursuit of truth, why isn't every American cheering that investigation? David. I agree. It comes down to simply uh partisanship politics. Yes. You know, it, it, yeah. if it's on if it were opposite, you know, if it was a Democrat in office, you know, president, Republicans would do the same thing. Do you thing. see it that way, Derek? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I do. It, it okay. is, it's well, a political okay. football. We agree yeah. It is. It's a political right. football. But, if you, you know. If you put it on the other foot, if anyone had told this story about Obama when he was running, if, you know, what if Bush had done these things, mm -hmm. Obama, the outrage would be out there. Yeah. I, do you, yeah. Stephanie, yes. yet, do you want an impeachment 
because some people have suggested no. that in fact well, this is yeah, what Nancy Pelosi has said that she really thinks that that the president wants an impeachment because it may go through the house he might be impeached but there's not going to be the votes to convict him in the senate and thus there will be a not guilty verdict in the minds of the american people months to go before the election well there, i mean there are people arguing that if they do try to impeach it he impeach him you know they it, it plays into exactly the narrative he said this is a swamp they hate me they've been trying to get me they couldn't get me through the Mueller report this is how they do it and and democrat there are some democrats that realize that that you're just handing him a campaign um talking point i at the end of the day, it is not a good thing when we are impeaching our presidents. It was not a wonderful experience for our country when it happened to Bill Clinton. It was ugly. Yeah. It was terrible. Um, and um, we, you know, we can do better than that. I think. Derek, I think it's a horrible thing. Yeah. So um, I previously said I didn't. I didn't want it, and I still don't want it. But I feel like we're getting closer to a point where it's justified. Whether it's um, mm. so, if you look at Volume One of the Mueller report, there's a lot of um, trails to be followed for for finances, and something as simple as uh, Donald Trump gets funding from Deutsche Bank to build properties in the United States, and then Russians come and buy those properties, and then Russians put money into Deutsche Bank, and it's a very small circle. So that I believe well, how, is why eventually. Why is that illegal? Uh, I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, that's business. Well, as part of the campaign, and when I mean, they were no, no, but we were talking about volume one of the uh, right, right, the I know, right, right, yeah. yeah, and we're talking about uh, money laundering, so global money laundering, so no. that's where it becomes illegal. Um, yeah, cause, I mean, this guy is one of the brokest people in the history of the United States, yet he is presumably wealthy how is where is he getting this money from right so i think that may eventually come mm -hmm. out as finances um also again i was speaking of dereliction of duty you're the president of the united states whether or not you like the other the other side of the aisle you have to work you have to do your job and move this country forward you can't be on twitter all day and you know, doing all these things well, that he what, does. But that <laughs> doesn't have anything to do with the yeah, collusion. I mean, the point no, is, no, but I'm saying this is, is all coming but because he's not doing his job. Democrats That's are really, really mad and they're angry that their person didn't win and they're yeah. going to do everything to, to in their power to show that this is the creepiest, nastiest, most awful yeah. man ever that so walked in the, the earth. Same, That's yeah. all they care about. No. They want to besmirch him. Yeah. I, I, you know, but in the same people breath. see it and they're tired of it. Yeah. They're saying, accept the election and, the, you know, they can't, Democrats can't let it go. But in the same breath. And they can't let him govern. In the same breath, I think a, a, a number of Democrats could also be impeached for not doing their job also. So true. on both sides of the aisle, true. these people, that's what I mean when I say I'm disappointed with adults in D.C. Right, Nobody is doing their job. Uh, and again, I don't want to see impeachment either. It, it's a bad taste in the right. mouth for the entire country. But is, but, but is, is, is impeachment, whether you're, I mean, it seems to me that the demo, and Nancy Pelosi, she's making a political decision as to whether or not impeachment is a good idea. Mm -hmm. If if there if the articles are there, yeah. then impeach the guy. If they're not there, well, don't. Here's the problem. But the point is, this if, is because yeah. you're. I agree. Yeah. You're sort of derelict in your duty if you say, "Well, I don't really see anything." And by the way, we're really not going to look at this right now because if we do this right now, we're going to look bad and we may lose mm -hmm. the house. But you know, you know what the true honorable thing to do would would be yeah. your job. Have the impeachment. And if you lose control of the House, so what? So be it. But, yeah. but you know what? The Speaker's not making that This way. is what they're doing. And this is, you know, this goes against every rule that we have about why, how you can prosecute cases. They don't have enough. They know they don't have enough. So they're like, 
Well, we, we just don't like the way he smells. Well, so we mm. want to get more stuff. We want his finances. We want his, his people. Tax. We they want don't this. like the way his people smell. And they don't exactly. <laughs> the so FBI did not like. They don't the way have they anything on them, well, I, but they're yeah. not comfortable yet of saying. Well, if we go out and it's called the fishing expedition, you're not supposed to do it in the law. Let's go out and get all this stuff and maybe we will find something. Maybe with some luck we can get our David. hands on something. Yeah. But they don't have any evidence of I anything. I want David to weigh in. David, so, weigh in. So the good you're thing about, back there smiling. Yeah, yeah so the good thing about <laughs> a Donald Trump presidency is well, you know, he's really got a lot of people fired up and you've seen a lot of the Democrats, you know, win yeah. a certain sure. house, you know, positions and all that. So when it comes to impeachment, would I be for it? You know, it, <laughs> politics is so entertaining. They, there were Republicans who were calling for Obama to be impeached on a lot of things. Yeah. Will it happen? Yeah. I honestly can't tell you if it will. I think it would be strategically a bad thing during an election because it might actually help Trump. Um, what I will say... That's why there's yeah. reluctance on the part yeah. of the Democrats. Right. What, what yeah. I will say... They don't want to give him an inch, and they know yeah. Nancy Pelosi is a very smart woman. Yeah. She knows if, if impeachment comes down the line, it's going to be, he'll turn it into a plus. Yeah. Right. Because there's not the votes to convict him. Now, again, if the Senate was close and, and they thought there were some senators that, you know, Republican senators that would s switch over and vote to convict uh, the president, okay. then they would be for well, But that's but the they, problem because it's all politics. Well, I mean, there's, there's enough. There's there's enough. We've got done. a pause. 1 800 723 8029. And by the way, we've got, we've got lots of callers and comments coming in. Ooh, no. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Democratic field and hear from our young independents what they think of the Democrats. <laughs> It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back yeah. in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, let me mention that uh, for those listening around the country, we, did, we didn't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want to make one particular point. This past Monday, Lori Lightfoot became uh, the new mayor of the she city did. of Chicago. Uh, I had the opportunity to, to see her inaugural speech. She was terrific. And for those around the country who are concerned whether reform will ever come to Chicago, it got a real clear boost in the mayor's speech on mm -hmm. uh, on, on Monday. And again, I, I wish her well. Again, you've heard me uh, endorse her on this program, so I want her to do well. But again, uh, uh, reform is, I think, coming to Chicago. 
And again, we have 50 of them, and many of them are, are not necessarily pleased about it, but we'll see how they act or react uh, when the council gets together uh, next. And uh, by the way, let me also mention that uh, uh, we've got Scott on the phone from Charleston, South Carolina. I want to talk to Scott, and then I want to spend a little time talking about democratic politics. But Scott, you're calling from South Carolina. Nice to hear from you tonight. Hello, are you there? He's gone. Aww. Well, he must have had yeah. something else to do yeah. uh, that this night. Anyway, um, the Democratic field, by the way, something else I did this week, I went to the organizing uh, meeting in Chicago of the Elizabeth Warren for President uh, campaign. And by the way, listening around the country, this is what I generally do, have done for 40 years. Uh, I will go to the opening of headquarters, whether I believe with the candidate or not, because I like to meet people who I may disagree with and also... Uh, give an opportunity for them to chat with me. Many of them are listeners or, or viewers of the program. So I spent some time with the Elizabeth Warren people. I mean, uh, they seem very charged up. And the ones that I spoke with, um, they were there for Elizabeth Warren. They both like Bernie Sanders, but they both have doubts about Bernie Sanders, which is why they're on the, on the fence leaning towards Elizabeth Warren. Now, Derek, you are for Bernie Sanders. You've said this in previous broadcasts. Are you 100 positively uh, supportive of him, or yep. are, are you open to being manipulated by another candidate? <laughs> yeah, manipulated is definitely the right word, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, 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 yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why uh, Bernie Sanders has my support. Um, if this person's policies were not good, uh, the rest of the Democratic field would not have adopted them as their own. And so, you know, I'm not always like a first mover advantage kind of person, um, but I think the foundation that he laid with his previous campaign and, and to be honest, the entirety of his political life, um, it's now coming to a head. And so, yeah, I, I trust that person. You have said uh, in your introduction when you're not on the radio pontificating, uh, you don't build brands, you make brands better. Right. What would you do to make Bernie Sanders' brand better? Yeah, uh, I think it's... Sometimes I think he kind of gets stuck in a loop of how he explains things to people. Um, the big S word that everyone's so scared of, socialism. You know, I think he can do a better job of differentiating between what we know as the traditional, the, the socialism that we don't want, right? Like the communist type and, you know, but uh, the contrast with democratic socialism, which is what he's espousing and kind of how we're already kind of doing that, but people aren't aware of it um, and how his policies would work into that uh, um, governing um, fashion. Okay, I want to talk yeah. about the rest of the field. David, you're, you're, you've are you're described yourself as an independent, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you seem also anti-war, based mm -hmm. on what you've said. So, uh, of the Democratic field, who interests you at this moment in time? Well, I do like Bernie Sanders. I mean, Camille Harris is fine, too. I, you know, more of my interest has gone towards uh, uh, Peter Buttigieg. I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. The mayor from uh, South Bend. And, you know, he's a, a Naval Reserve officer. <clears throat> So that's, I mean, that might be a bias because okay. he's a veteran too. Um, is he too young? I mean, you're, you're 35, he's right. 37. Right. Do you really believe that uh, either one of you would have the ability to be the commander in chief and handle the whole thing? <laughs> well, I do. Uh, don't like. speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, speak for Pete Buttigieg, uh, Buttigieg, by the way, yeah. uh, thinks that he is. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the standards for a. Uh, you know, elected presidents have been kind of dropped recently, so anyone can do it, it seems. Um, well, let's talk about Putin. I, um, 
I went to high school in South Bend. I went to the same high school that he did. Really? Tell us yeah. the inside story. Um, hmm. I dare not say uh, the year he was born was the year I got oh. <laughs> We don't have to but, say that. But, um, so there was no crossover. I, okay. We understand. I, I, he, I, I understand why the media and I would say the liberal elites are fascinated by him. Yes. And I think that's where, that's where he's getting his traction is only in that section. Um, and that is he's got the sort of... Um, very conventional elite pedigree, mm-hmm. and that is he went to Harvard. Yeah. He went to you know he's uh, um, a reserve. Country. And then you know what he he went and got the Naval Reserve stamp that helps that very extreme liberal pedigree. And um, but I'm always shocked when I hear him speak because. The things that come out of his mouth, I am I'm surprised given his level of education, the naivety and um, ignorance about the Constitution, American politics, and American patriotism. Now, um, by the way, and, let me, go ahead. Yeah, and the other thing is uh, a couple of things. South Bend is not the success story that everybody is pretending it is, and I've seen South Bend over the years, and so I think if you're going to, I've, you know, talk I've got to, about I've got that, to interject only because yeah. I want to underscore a particular point. Last night I met someone who was from South Bend, yeah, and the person wanted to under, made the point that you just made. Look at South Bend; it ain't a success story. Mm-hmm. He's not popular with blacks. This is someone that was a member of his administration who said nothing good about Mayor Pete. That he's arrogant. If you don't have an Ivy League degree, you're like chop liver. And that he does not, in a meeting, he does not care what anyone else says because he's the smartest guy in the room. Again, we do rumor and innuendo on this program. That's not a rumor, that's not an innuendo. It's first person heard it with my own ears last night at a friend or, or at a party, and uh, we weren't even talking about politics. He right. brought it up when he said right. that he was from South Bend. On that note, I want to thank our guests this evening, Derek Addis, thank you very much, and Stephanie Hitt, and David Allen, David Earl Williams the third. Thank, thank you. you very much for joining nice. us this evening. Our thanks to Sam Greenberg and Fritz Goldman for their assistance in the production of this program. Don't forget, tomorrow is Memorial Day. It's not about barbecues. It's about remembering those that gave their life for this country. Remember them tomorrow. Hi, I'm April Jewell, a teacher in Ballard County School District in Kentucky. Last year, we received word that our school had been selected to receive a $25,000 grant from the America's Farmers Grow Rural Education Program, sponsored by the Monsanto Fund, a philanthropic arm of Bayer. The grant is designed to help further science, technology, engineering, and math education. We used it to upgrade the technology in our classrooms to enhance health science curriculums and better prepare our students for various career paths. Now through April 1st, farmers can nominate a school district to apply for $10,000 or $25,000 grants aimed at improving STEM education. I would encourage all eligible farmers to nominate today for a chance to make a lasting impact in countless classrooms. The process takes less than five minutes and farmers can nominate their school district by visiting americasfarmers.com. That's americasfarmers.com. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive 
but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt debt in in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322.